Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we no longer talk about Animorphs because we've already done that. But we're not ready to say goodbye to Catherine Applegate and Michael Grant. Turns out they wrote more books. What? Books that we will be reading and casually discussing? You bet. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month as we morph into the Apple Grant Book Club. I need to get back to trivia. I've not been able to do it in so long. Back trivia. The poop yogurt? Yeah. With <laughs> what's her face what? from the Terminator slash Freaky Friday? Jamie Lee Curtis? Yes. Yeah. I just know her from the Freaky Friday remake. She was in, I'm pretty sure she was in a Terminator movie. I think you're right, yeah. I hope I'm right. Yet another thing we will be wildly wrong about. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the charm of our podcast is is getting things horribly wrong and having people listen to us and probably scream. Yeah. <laughs> like the moon thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. The moon thing. The moon thing. Oh, Michael Collins. Rest in peace. Yeah. I'm just glad that we fucked that up before he died. Oh no. So he would, I guess, be able to hear our air, maybe? <laughs> so I was talking to Matt about Michael Collins, I think, like, the day after he died. And mm-hmm. Matt, and I was like, yeah, I can never remember his name. I don't know why. I think it's just, like, it's it's much more generic than, like, Neil Armstrong or Buzz Aldrin. And Matt's like, yeah, it makes me think of, like, that singer guy. And I'm like, right? Collins. Is- yeah. It's like Phil Collins and, and George Michaels. Like, yeah. that's the only two things I can think of. That's Jeff's how I remember like, I'm gonna it. kill Casey. He, probably. He's probably plotting <laughs> our murders right now. Yeah, that's definitely how I remember it, too. I always think Phil Collins' people, and then I just correct <laughs> the first name later. Oh, man. Sometimes yep. I don't bother correcting the first name, and I just call him Phil Collins's, the man who did not run out and touch the moon. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's me, who didn't know that he was in the thing that rotates around the moon, and not. And I thought he was in the thing that landed on the moon, and he just had to stay yeah. in the little capsule. <laughs> I Which think, is also not correct. I think Jeff corrected us on that at one point, and I was like, I, I was really glad, because I had lost so much respect for the man who sat in the capsule on the moon and did not yeah. run out to touch the moon. <laughs> like, you're already on the fucking moon, just yeah. do it. Yeah. (laughs) They have a speech prepared in case you die. It's no big deal. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it makes more sense that he was not in the capsule. No. I read something the other day that was, like, talking about how he kept saying he had the best of, like, all worlds because he was right there and, like, got to see the moon, but he got to, like, drink his drink and see the moon while they were like (laughs) fucking around on it i don't even i don't even know he got a much better view of the surface of the moon yeah and he didn't have to like get all dressed up yeah he could he's like he's like tobias he's like the eyes (laughs) in the sky yeah he doesn't have to get down 
and gritty with fighting on the right part on the surface and if spacesuits were like morphing then he was trapped in his human body oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> never getting to touch the moon you can't do this to me just so sorry for everything i've said here today <laughs> so yeah we're back yes for, for not animorphs but kind yeah. of somewhat Animorph. related insofar as it's by the same people yes we've officially transitioned into the apple grant book club apple grant book club yeah Probably need to do a new intro. Do we need to do a new intro? Oh no, we do. Okay, and it can't be as brilliant as my last edit. I love your last edit. Fan fiction. Could I have said it in a weirder way? No. It was great. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I laughed, and I <laughs> laughed especially hard when Nate called me a fucking psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it made me laugh so hard. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was definitely the highlight of my day. Good. It's the highlight of my life. Uh, anyways, so, yeah, we are talking about Entling. We are. I'm so excited. I'm so excited, too. This was the reason you got to meet Catherine. This was. And she read a part of it out loud in the bookstore, and I realized I retained none of it. Well, <laughs> I was like, spoilers. But well, if you retained none of it, then Retained fine. absolutely none of it. Okay. Was she reading, like, the beginning or, like, a middle part? I don't know. Okay. I truly don't know. (laughs) I remember I can like picture it in my mind's eye. It must have just clearly been like a buzzing in my ears at that point. (laughs) Because you were just like, it's her. She's here. Yeah. And that was like before I got to talk to her too. So I was probably like ramping up in the anxiety of like. Oh, God. You know, you know how it goes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I I retained none of it, but she read some of it. I remember that happening. Where there were just a bunch of little kids, like, sitting on the floor in front of her. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cute. And then a bunch of creepy-ass adults in the back with Animorphs <laughs> with books. Their little Animorphs books. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, that's great. She's just, She was just so, like, wonderful, though, talking to the kids and, like, reading it. and That <sighs> just... So, like, Michael was saying that she's, like, a really shy person and she doesn't really, like like meeting people uh, not not that she doesn't like meeting people but she gets like, fucking hates about. meeting people yeah so yeah much. <laughs> like so the fact that she was there doing such a good job i'm just like so happy about that i i never would have guessed that she was anxious about any of it she was like mm-hmm. so confident and cool and like kind to everybody and like i don't know yeah. she was amazing she was truly amazing yeah yep and so i bought this book when i was there because like I, you know, I also wasn't going to show up to her book 
thing reading signing and like not buy the book that she was <laughs> selling be like right. i bought these secondhand years later please that's not true i think i had at least two of my original books that i bought from borders but like i wasn't gonna show up with these old books and be like i only bought these so my endling copy is signed that's so cool yeah let's see what it said i read what it said the other day something about adventuring or something yeah for alex wishing you endless adventures Catherine applegate i love that i loved it too yeah i was you know it was exciting i was super excited to read this too and it did not disappoint at all oh my god like you know looking at this i'm like okay i think it's about you know extinction or like you know being highly endangered or something and obviously there's like these kind of cool animal people and in the first chapter i was like yeah these are definitely the people that wrote animorphs we're in chapter one you did not need to go so hard i exactly yeah fucking exactly and like I truly believe, I was thinking about this this morning while I was doing a completely unrelated task. I was thinking about this book and I was like, I think that I am starting to get to the point where I've kind of read enough that I can pick out like where Michael's ideas kind of took over versus Catherine's. Ooh, I am looking forward to hearing you talk about that because. Okay. I was thinking about that while I was reading, but I, I couldn't necessarily pick out one or the other i think i don't think i can all of the time but i think i'm starting to get that kind of a sense Mm -hmm. but yeah they went fucking hard like right out the gate (laughs) i i love that though because Mm -hmm. you know with animorphs it's like very different time periods the 90s like i feel like this was a little bit before we like really had to like this is gonna sound assholeish. Sorry, let me let me rephrase that. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say like before we had to like start censoring everything, and I sound like some kind of fucking like conservative <laughs> asshole who's like, "Oh, these snowflakes." That's not what I meant to say. But like, because obviously, like Animorphs is still like for the most part very you know conscientious of everyone. Yeah. And sh- I don't know what I'm saying. God, um, I I think I do. Would you like me to take a run at it? Yes, please help. It takes into consideration the modern day sensitivities and is very conscientious in the way that it talks about different peoples and feelings and and empowering people in a way that we were not as aware of in the 90s. Yes. And um, I guess darkness. Oh, God. Sorry. A cat appeared. What is what is happening? What the, just what's happening with you right now? The, the, the spot which I record is I, I'm looking out a window that is eye yeah. level with the ground, and there are cats that like to visit like right Constantly. outside the window pretty much every fucking time we record, and they scare the shit out of me like every time. They must know. They must be able to be like you, you must like light a beacon, and yeah, the cats like, are like Ooh. yes. It's like moths to a flame. It's my time to shine. I hear the microphone. <laughs> I'm going to cameo on this podcast by scaring this person. <laughs> is it always oh. the same cat or is there multiple cats? Ah, uh, this was a different one. It was a oh. um, splotchy sort of calico situation. Today. Oh, because normally it's, a... it's the tuxedo boy, right? Yeah. And of course, my cat is 
fast to fucking sleep on my chair and did not notice any of this and did not stir when I screamed. So thanks, Lena. She never, what, what is it with these cats that she never notices them? Like, they visit my backyard daily. She sits next to the window daily and never sees them. Even if she's awake, she's like faffing around or like licking her toes or something. She never sees these cats. And I'm like, Lena, do your job. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> but what, what is a cat's job in this scenario? To poof up and, and meow angrily and scare them off. Except that never works because they're always just like, oh, look at you. You're like five pounds. I'm going to totally walk up to you. And then only when I move closer to the door are they like, I will reconsider my actions. Goodbye. So Yeah. I feel like this the, it's more of a dog thing to warn you. <laughs> yeah. She sounds the alarm and I actually do the, the, the combat. Yeah. As it were. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway, not conducive to anything we were talking about. I was going <laughs> to say that I feel like there was a darkness in the 90s. Like, we could let our kids watch scary movies. And mm-hmm. as time went on, it became a little bit more like, let's make things a little more fluffy and a little less intense. I don't mm-hmm. know that for sure. I could be just be spitballing. But, you know, there was that whole thing and like the mid to late aughts where they were like, oh, video games are causing kids to be violent and, you know, all this shit. And so I feel like there was like a big kind of like censorship push then or some sh- I don't know. I'm making everything up. No, I think it was just, it's just so much easier now to like regulate what kids are watching. Like every mm-hmm. streaming service has ways to like stop your kids from watching shit where yeah, I feel like Back in the 90s, it was kind of more of a free-for-all. Like, you could find more content more readily. Right. And it was cool to sneak into R-rated movies. Mm-hmm. It's still pretty <laughs> cool to sneak into R-rated movies. <laughs> I'm gonna sneak into a PG-13 movie. Grandpa, you're 81! You can go see a movie! <laughs> um, but yeah, all that is to say, this book... Already does not pull any punches, and we, you know, know that Michael and Catherine don't like to pull punches. They are all about exposing the kids to the very scary things and very traumatic things. And I appreciate that this translated past just Animorphs, is what I'm trying to say. I totally agree. And what I did not expect, like... For whatever reason in my mind, this had solidified as more of a kid's book than Animorphs. And, Mm -hmm. like, in a way it is, right? Like, the main characters are fluffy, mystical animals that are adorable. Like, that's part of it. But, like, in a totally different way, it's immediately Mm -hmm. a, like, horror mystery. Yeah. Like, the whole first part is just ramping up the tensions to a brutal, brutal scene. Yeah. And I did not expect that. Like, with Animorphs, that happens. But the first book is, like, it takes a while to ramp up like that. This one, it's, like, chapter one. Things are pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, and I it's... loved that. Oh, my God. I know. I was just... Okay, like... There's there's things in this book that happen already 
that I wonder how they're going to translate it if they make it into, like, an animated movie. <laughs> oh, no. Uh. Oh, okay, I can't wait to hear about that. Yeah. Um, I can start summarizing, but I, I want to just say one more thing before I do. Okay. I am so, like, a ratty old warm blanket. I was so pumped to get back into this writing where I read a three-page chapter and so much fucking happened and I was so into it. Like, Oh, my God, yes. Oh, it was just, like, right back to their amazing writing and I was like, yes! Oh, my God. Like, every word they write is so necessary and matters so much. I know, just... it's amazing. They're incredible. I love them. I love them so much. I love their writing so fucking much. It's so good. So. Also, mm -hmm. I want to do a quick shout out to whoever designed the cover for this book. It is fucking gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And that is, let me find, Max Kostenko. So good fucking job, Max. I love this so much. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I, I'm looking at it right now. I'm enjoying it right now. <laughs> oh, it's just so good. It's so beautifully rendered. I love the animal designs. Mm -hmm. It's giving me like Red Wall, sort of like Secret of Nim vibes. And I love the kind of like Art Deco overlay on top of the title. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the typography also very beautiful. And that mm -hmm. is by Jenna Stemple LaBelle. Oh, go Jenna. Go Jenna. Yeah, and like, ooh, even the bottom where it says Catherine Applegate is like kind of shiny. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It, yeah, it's a beautiful cover. It's very striking. It is. I love it. And I love, too, in all of the chapters, they have repeating motifs on the headers. So like, yeah. it's like cl worms, claws. Leaf. Leaf. Um, swords. Yeah. Bag. Yeah. They have all of these different like motifs every chapter. And like mm -hmm. I was, I, I just love that shit. Like I love when they bring design into the book and mm -hmm. then like they have almost splash pages throughout for each of the parts. Like part one has its own splash page. When I saw this was illustrated, I was so fucking pumped. Yeah. There's like these absolutely beautiful black and white illustrations throughout. And oh my God, it's so good. They are. And you know what? Here's one other thing that I really love about this illustrator that I'm just going to talk about for forever because that's <laughs> what I know. I fucking love that the way that they establish hierarchy is going absolutely from no detail to like beautifully rendered detail in a, mm -hmm. such an obvious step. Like, oh, it's just yeah. such a cool way to do I'm that. I'm looking at the, um, the part to illustration mm -hmm. me too <laughs> and yeah i see what you mean i see yeah i absolutely see what you mean yeah oh my it's gosh. just such a like clear beautiful way to communicate that oh my god freaking gorgeous i love it i love it so much <laughs> one other thing i like is that um this is going ahead a little bit but like the first book has like a blue cover the second book has like a green cover and the third book has a red cover and mm -hmm. I like that a lot, too. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious, as we're reading through these, why they get shorter and shorter as we go. Because that feels like the opposite of how things normally go. Oh, yeah. Usually books start off pretty uh, pretty short, and then they get longer. Mm-hmm. But mm. this, one's, this one's, what, six parts, and then we go down to five, and then four? 
Huh. Yeah. That's a good point. I'm curious about that. Okay. We can start. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Let me start summarizing. <laughs> now that we've gone art school on their asses. <laughs> <laughs> also, oh, sorry. One more thing. Um, it is dedicated to Michael. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, thanks for helping me write it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like, we, we both wrote this, but only my name's on the cover. So I guess I'll dedicate it to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I will let you summarize now. That's okay. My first chapter summary is very short because I I would love to just talk through the design with you in a non-summary way. Mm -hmm. Um, So chapter one, we find out that these are the Dairns. I don't know how to pronounce that. D-A-I-R-N-E-S. It's a made-up word, so I can pronounce it however I like, and I think it's Dairns. I said Dairns, too. Okay, so we win. We all win. (laughs) Um, we find out a little bit about their family structure, that, that this was like um, kind of a wolf or a dog or a fox where there's the parents and there's a bunch of kits. We find out that our narrator is the runt of the litter and so much smaller and thinks that they're a constant disappointment all the time. They can't run as fast, they can't run for as long, they can't play as hard, and so mm-hmm. everybody is very scared for our poor, weak, small narrator. Um, and also... We find out that our narrator likes to go too far all the time, likes to explore the world, and the family is really concerned about it because there's so few Darrens left that they can't afford to lose even one, and they're being hunted to extinction by humans. And that's chapter one. Oh my like, god. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. My god. Like, And this was, like, we don't even get, like, a real description we don't even find out if the narrator is like male or female until way later yeah or like what's like we find out a little bit about their species and that's it but like mm-hmm. yeah they're oh i love that it starts so ambiguously and like honestly when i saw the cover i thought the little um like the mousy character the little mousy foxy character was going to be the main character mm-hmm so, uh, I mean, I spoiled it a little bit, I guess, but... Um, I I wouldn't say you did. I knew that they weren't just because I had been to the book yeah. reading, but literally that was, like, all I took away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, there's a couple quotes in the first chapter that I really like. Um, uh, one is, it seemed there were many ways to leave the world forever when they're talking about, you know, death. Mm-hmm. And then... My favorite, favorite quote, and the one where I was like, holy shit, this is going really hard already, is, I was not afraid to be the first to die. I just did not want to be the last to live. I did not want to be the endling. I was like, what the fuck? How powerful is that? It was... Okay. I I fucking... There were so many things in this book that left me with chills, and then, like... I, what occurred to me when you were just talking about like how ambiguous and like how much this was like world building is once again that insanely cinematic quality we get from from their writing style where it literally feels like you're panning across a screen and all of this stuff is becoming yes. clear to you but you haven't seen like the main plot yet yes yeah you can just like hear the voiceover going oh my god this is gonna mm-hmm. make such a good movie 
It is. It's already like a movie and a book. Oh. Yes. Oh, man. God. I love it when books are so cinematic like that. Me it's just. Too. Oh. Me too. Like, I. Oh, it, I was so, like, worried getting back into the books. I'm like, I know that I love Animorphs, but, like, what happens if I'm starting to read something and, like, I'm I'm just struggling to take notes? Like, because that happened a few times with the, the ghostwritten books where it's, like, mm-hmm. it's harder to get through. And this was from the get-go one of the one of those books where like i'm mad that i have to put this down and summarize a chapter because i want to keep going yeah for sure oh it's so good (sighs) so good okay sorry anything else about the first chapter i i don't think so um i'm just so excited (laughs) me too it's so good Okay, um, so this next one is the longest chapter, I think. Mm-hmm. One of the longest chapters in this first part, because mm-hmm. so much happens. Okay. Yes. So we find out that our main character is called Bix, and that they can hear something outside of the den. So they start to venture out to see what it's about, but their siblings stop them to make fun of them a little bit, like saying things like, I'm so hungry I could eat you. And then the brother is saying like, yeah, sure, but you wouldn't get much of a meal out of them. Um, And then we find out that Bix sneaks outside and finds butter bats, which are some kind of crazy bat, I guess, like giant crazy bat. (laughs) Yeah, I... It didn't register to me that, that there was an illustration of them until just this moment. But there yeah, is? Yeah, in the in the first part. Oh, oh, okay, shit. so they have, like, butterfly wings and little Aww. kind of, like, stubby, insecty kind of doggy dragon bodies, I guess. I don't know. They're oh, really like cute. Like turtles! They're so cute! They're yeah, like they got little turtle faces. Butterfly dragon turtles. I love Aww. them. I love them too. That's so cute. Oh my god, the one in the the very top right corner, I just want to. <laughs> so cute. Look at the fucking front leg. Look at its chubby I little know. like Stitch from Lilo and Stitch's little front leg. That's so cute. I just want to stick it to my shirt and walk around with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, I love them. Ah. Mm. Okay, so they're beautiful, gorgeous butterfly bats that are <laughs> adorable, and I love them even more now. I was picturing, I went absolutely animorphs with this, where I didn't realize yes. there was an illustration there, and I was picturing like these like mutated giant tawny bats. <gasps> Me too. Or like, yeah, they're <laughs> like insect like bodies and heads with mm-hmm. like bat wings or something. Because yes, I, I, I went a little bit like Avatar: The Last Airbender, how they take like a couple different animals and they like combine them into a thing, like a moose lion or something. Yeah, um, or like Mothman esque. Yeah, yeah. But no, they're actually really adorable, and we were all like, "Oh, this is like one of Visor Three's horrible morphs." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah we're gonna have to be like really conscientious of how animorphs has set in our minds yeah <laughs> oh that's funny <laughs> that is funny um oh we also find out about where they're staying because we find out that the darens travel to different places like they just inhabit other creatures houses so this is an abandoned um bear hive <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not saying that's stupid. It's called a bear hive. 
And it's like, it looks kind of like a beehive, but all of the materials are made of like compressed rocks and sap and shit from trees. Mm -hmm. And it's like a bear creature that made this thing. Yeah. So that was, of course, immediately badass. I was like, I want to live in a giant beehive for sure. (laughs) And like all of the walls, because they're like compressed rock glisten like honey, even though they're solid. Cool. I know, right? in a little like honeycomb... Circle, That's where they're I forgot staying. what they're called. Yeah, the little, the little honeycomb. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I like it. And yeah. is this the point where we find out that Darren's used to be like tree dweller? Yeah, they. No, that's this is where they start. To, well, the tree specifically is like way later after we have our our mouse friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but this is where we find out more about like their society and how they're traditionally Mm -hmm. day creatures but because they're hunted for their beautiful pelts they can't go out in the day anymore so they've become night creatures and they they inhabit these houses instead of like traditionally where they would which was Mm -hmm. uh, maybe they do mention trees at this point i know they mention it a lot more later but like yeah they traditionally they've given up basically all of their culture and society because they're hunted so hard yeah and they've had to adapt to survive basically Mm-hmm. Which is really cool and interesting. I mean, sad, but like interesting. Right. Right. Uh. Yeah. So we find out more about them. And then we cut back to Bix, who is watching the bats. And then their mother comes out and gently chastises them for being outside because, of course, they're not supposed to be wandering out here. They're supposed to be sleeping with their siblings. Um, but Bix just points out the bats to their mom and they sit and watch them together for a bit before. The mom, Maya, (laughs) I can read normal names, I swear, (laughs) Um, tells her that that there's this meeting of the adults and they've all decided to migrate like the bats because the whole reason the bats are out is because they're starting their migration. And so they have kind of a conversation about that and they're going to try and find the main pack. And Bix asks, is that real? Like, do you really believe in the main pack? And their mother hesitates. The whole reason why is because we find out now that Darren's have this amazing ability that they can always tell when another creature is lying to them. So Hmm. in their society, they can never tell a lie. They're allowed to hope. And if there's not direct evidence against it, they can hope for an outcome, but they can never lie about it. Sure. And that's, I just thought that was so cool. Like, I'm like, this is going to come back in a big way somehow. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I was super excited about that. It does not come back in this part, but I am very excited about it. Yeah, that's going to be like a pivotal moment at some point. Absolutely it is. <sighs> um, but that's when Bix's mom tells them that, you know, that she, she doesn't think it's possible that there is the main pack, but like there's so few of them left that they really don't have any other options. Um, so they're going to go there. And like then Bix asks this like really like intense question about like, would you tell me the truth or like would you tell me if it's pointless to hope that they're there and Bix's mom was like yeah yeah, I'd tell you if it was pointless um we find out a little bit more about their pack they're down to 29 members and that's why it's so bad that's why they have to go uh and then Bix's mom just says you have to go get some sleep we're gonna have a really long walk at nightfall and then she stops to say that she loves Bix and like I this is when I knew some shit was gonna go bad. <laughs> uh... <laughs> because like 
the mom makes a point to stop and just be like, you know that I love you, right? And like, oh, it was just such a great moment. Like, it didn't feel contrived at all. It was just a really nice moment. Ugh. So that happens. Bix's mom goes to bed. And then after watching the bats for a little while longer, instead of going inside and going to bed... Bix ventures out into the trees where they were not allowed. But how else are you going to see the world if you can't go out and explore it? So they take off running on all fours into the forest. That's Just chapter for a two. Yep. Just for a minute. Uh, some nice familial setup. I know. Oh, yep. I'm so upset about that. It's, um, not about that specifically. I don't know. I'm mad that she can also write families real good. Oh my god! I'm assuming this was Catherine's contribution. Just having read the few Michael books that I have, I have not seen him do. Not to say he can't or he hasn't, right. but I have not yet seen him write like a familial scene like this. So my guess right now is that that was all Catherine. Sure. Well, and I was just wondering, there's some banter later that I wonder. Not that Catherine can't write banter. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I know. It's so hard because they're both so amazing. Yeah. I Yeah. I don't know. And I'm coming off. I'll tell you right now, like the books that I'm coming off of is I've read Wish Tree, which was straight Catherine. I've read Frontlines, which was straight Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read a few other Catherine books, but like... Those were the two big ones. Have you read Ivan yet? No, I have not. Okay. But I am excited to read through that one and talk about the illustration. Well, good, because we will. (laughs) (laughs) Because we are at some point. (laughs) Lena, can Uh, I please sit down? Is she still making you stand up? Yes. That's so rude. It's been 40 goddamn minutes. Okay, I'm sitting. Yeah, sit on her. My microphone. (laughs) Jesus. Damn it, Lena. We're going to endling you. Oh, no. You kind of look like Bix. Bix is more puppy than you. Bix is more puppy and human than Lena. Yes. Like a dog person. Anyway. Yeah. Do we want to take a second to describe Bix from what we found out so far? Because we still don't really know. But for the purpose of, like, we can see the cover and listeners can't. So... Did Bix start talking about what she looked like? Not really. Not at this point. I mean, I don't... Bix never, like, super explicitly says every... Like, we kind of find out details in, like, quick spurts. Like, at this point, I think we know that, like, they look a little bit like... uh, Like, Bix has said that, like, they look like a wolf if you didn't look too closely, but then they were humanoid and they have opposable thumbs... We find out that, but then, like, later we find out that they have, like, um, like a flying membrane and a marsupial pouch and, like, all this other stuff that we mm-hmm. don't, like, it's oh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I just turned to the page. <laughs> yeah, there's, like, a, yeah, dog. Dog. <laughs> Mostly Upright dog. dog. Upright polar bear dog. And that's what Catherine kind of said she was writing for, was she was like, oh, I wanted to write a book about my dog, because I love my dog. <gasps> what? Oh, my God. She chewbacca <laughs> yeah. Bix? <laughs> she did. She chewbacca Bix. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. 
Her website was like half about her dog last time I went there, which was years ago at this point. So do not quote me on this, but like it absolutely was half about her dog and her dog just interrupting her work and being in her office and how much she loved her dog. So Catherine Applegate dog. I don't think there's going to be. Oh, and yet it pops right up, doesn't it? Oh, bye, Lena. Oh, oh, pupper. Okay, she's got. Okay, there's like a little sort of chihuahua-looking sort of thing, and then there's also a uh, yellow lab-looking friend. Mm-hmm. I think it was the yellow lab yeah. friend. Yeah. She's so sweet-looking. Oh my god, I'm dying. I know she's so sweet. Okay, quit fangirling. Let's get down okay. to business. Talk more about Bix. <laughs> So Bix ran into the woods and found this winding path that they followed down towards the sea. And they got to, like, the edge of this cliff face where the trees were kind of recessed back from it. And then it dropped down into this roiling ocean. And this was unlike anything that Bix had ever seen before. They'd only really seen, like, placid lakes and rivers. So watching this insane churning water was some totally new experience for them. And they were transfixed by it. After watching for a while, they spot this small boat. And this is where we find out, like, a lot about how they rely on their other senses. So Bix starts sniffing at it, but could smell nothing. And they just keep wishing that they could smell whatever it was out there, because it was so much more precise than sight would be. Um, But after a while, the boat gets close enough, they can kind of make it out. And they're watching as this little boat is steering towards this cliff face on this insane breaking waves. As it gets closer, Bix starts thinking, oh my god, I can hear some cries for help. And then they can see why. Because it was being steered by this little brown furry creature, and they were doomed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and Bix is kind of like, yeah, they're fucked. They're totally fucked. Like, they're just steering straight towards Cliff Face, about to die. About to die. About to die. About to die. Okay, on to this next chapter. So Bix makes eye contact with this creature that they are very sure is a Wobbick. And this Wobbick is begging for help. And Bix is like, well, I could could glide down there. In fact, they found that after a second that their body had already started to move to go help. But then they pause because the Darren's whole culture is based around caution. Like, that's everything that they live for right now, is like, you know, think before you act, think before you act. So Bix hesitates. And then sees as this little boat looks like it's about to be crushed on the rocks, and that's going to be the end of it. But then it was just pulled just out of reach of the cliff face, just for a second. And still Bix is hesitating. Like, oh God, I have to think, I have to think, I can't, I can't do this, I have to be careful. And then another sound caught their attention. Domesticated dogs. And then Bix realized that they could smell them, they could smell humans, and then a third scent that they didn't recognize but could take a guess at because they could hear the sort of drumbeats of hooves. Like horses. Of course, people have horses. And a moment later, all of these humans come out of the trees and are surrounding them. And they're just stunned. They're like, wow. First of all, they've never seen humans before. So this is a totally new experience. And their limbs are heavier and more stout than they imagined. And there's all these kind of colors. And and they know of this one 
army that really hunts down the Darrens and is their main enemy. And this doesn't seem like those humans, but like they don't really know. And as they're trying to determine if these are dangerous humans, they realize that one of them has a bow drawn and an arrow leveled right at them. And then they see on one of the horses that there's all these furs that are being carried. And they hear one of the humans yell, don't shoot. But the companion didn't lower the bow. And then the arrow was fired and Bix jumped. Oh, this is such a good chapter. Take me alive. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love this chapter so much. Like, I just love the way that it like it all just built and built because it's like one emergency to another emergency. And there was like no downtime in between the two. It was so incredibly written. Yep. And immediately when I heard one of the humans be like, don't shoot, I was like, future ally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah of course. It is a kid's book. Some of it is predictable. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but I still, I loved it so much. Yeah. It's very dynamic already. It's so cool. Oh, my God. Like, all of this is like... We're like five chapters in, but all of this feels like it's happened over the course of like half an hour. Yeah. Like, it's so fast. Yeah. Ah, Okay. So Bix leaps off this cliff and spreads out the glissairs that Darren's have, which are the membrane, skin membrane, so that they can glide. And we hear a little bit about how they can glide. They can't fly. Educational moment. Of course, this is Catherine Applegate, so education (laughs) is key. And uh, so Bix starts heading towards this Wabic, and there are arrows raining down all around. And some of them are so close that you can see the color of the fletching and these designs that are painted on the shaft. And Bix just starts aiming towards the Wabic, who is a moving target on top of these waves, because they're still riding in this boat, and a swell brings them closer and higher, and then crashes down and further away. And Bix is aiming towards this moving target and can clearly hear them screaming out for help now. So a wave bold, like comes up under the boat, brings them just within reach. Bix reaches out. They grab paws. But then it was like slamming into a brick wall because Bix was just using gliding. Like there's no flying power here. So they both just tumble off this boat. They tumble down. Their boat crashes into the rocks right behind them. They kind of somersault into this little sandy area. Their feet touch the sand for a split second, and Bix pushes the Wabic up onto the cliff, who starts climbing, and then a wave hits Bix in the back and drags her back out into the ocean, and, like, there's roiling and boiling seas, and water is going into Bix's mouth and nose, and they've lost all sense of direction, and then finally she feels a small paw grab her by the back of her neck and guide her to the rock face, and they start climbing together when an arrow whizzes past Bix's head so close that some of the ear first split. So Bix and the Wabic are climbing. They throw themselves around one of the outcroppings just out of reach of the archers and then thunderclaps overhead. And there's also a storm moving in on them on top of everything else. Of course. <laughs> of fucking course. <laughs> oh, I love this so much. I love this so much. I just, I love that Bix saw this creature that needed help and she was torn between being like, do I help them or do I not? Because that would threaten my own survival. Like, right. that just strikes me as like something that's going to be brought up again and again. Well, plus it's like, it's 
so much more realistic that they were thrust into it instead Mm of choosing it. Because, like, you know, I love the character that would choose. We got to go in no matter what. But, like, it's so much more real that, like, the only reason Bix ever went to go save this Wabic was because they were forced into it by other circumstances. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like, well... I'm sorry, but, like, there was nothing I could do, mm-hmm. which is a totally fair assessment as well. Yep. Ugh. Yep. I love that. Like, the themes of survival are already really coming through. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the decision-making already. Like, mm-hmm. I... Oh! oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, I got so excited by this. Like, I, I don't know. I really loved that. This is not a gung-ho character, which is not something that, like, I feel like I would normally say as myself. I feel out of character saying this, but I love that they were so hesitant. Yeah. And, like, I feel like Bix is very naturally like, oh, I have to go do this thing. But Mm -hmm. also, like, Bix's family being like, no, here are the things that we taught you. Here's how we taught you to survive. So that those being, like, contrasting like feelings I think is very compelling already yeah I mean plus it seems like Bix's whole family is like you're the runt of the litter you're bad at this oh yeah like like you're naturally super low yeah you naturally suck so you have to be extra careful probably yeah yeah oh man I wonder if that's gonna come into play later like like Bix being like oh yeah I've been told my entire life that like you know I'm the runt and that I'm I'm gonna die first and all this shit and like how does that Mm -hmm. like affect you you know what I mean not good like (laughs) it's gotta destroy your self esteem for sure yeah and like feeling like you have to try harder than everyone else like yeah yeah and oh man and like there's some discussion here about like the reason that Bix even knows what a Wabic is is because Darren's actually eat Wabics and so like It's this whole other dynamic, too, of, like, Bix is like, I suck at hunting. I've never successfully killed anything but bugs to eat. And now I'm saving this thing that my family in mm-hmm. other circumstances would eat. Yeah. So, like, there's a whole other dynamic going on here. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, and there's also, a, like, another aspect of this that is, like, alluded to, but I guess it, I guess it is specifically called out a few times. Is that the Darrens, like, aren't getting enough to eat. Like, Bix grew up in, like, this starving family and, mm-hmm. like, had a really rough upbringing. And, like, Wabics are not a good thing to eat. Like, they're bland and gross and blah, blah, blah. But they were starving so badly that they, like, it was the best meal that they could remember for that period of time. So, like, <gasps> there's so much happening here. Oh, no. I just thought of something. What? What if... Bix and the other Darren's ate somebody that that the Wabic knew. No, like his brothers or oh, sisters, no. or his mom or dad. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is where you come in and be like, "Not all Wabics know each other, Casey." God. Well, yeah. they seem like they do. Like not, not <laughs> that they all know each other, but they live in huge family units. From what we find out, so yeah. like it isn't that far fetched mm-hmm. that like, like, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. This is gonna be like a Zootopia situation. <laughs> <laughs> like you're the predator one of them the has to get an abortion. No, no. 
one. That's one of my favorite Tumblr memes of all time was when somebody was making like this intense point about how like I am so against the Zootopia abortion fic and the the comment back immediately was like the what the what now? The what the fuck? (laughs) The what the fuck did you just say? (laughs) Oh my god. Tobble is what I'm naming my next pet. Oh my god, I fucking love Tobble. (laughs) Tobble. Oh, okay. I didn't even write down. Okay. Let me get through this chapter so I can interrupt myself a third of the way through this chapter to correct what I did not write down. Okay. So the Wabak greeted Bix and like like literally said, greetings. Thank you so much for rescuing me. (laughs) And I got like huge Spyro like, thank you for releasing me. (laughs) (laughs) It's a thing. And he's still in a dragon egg. <laughs> You've got to run, Spyro. Run. Oh, I'm getting a little winded. <laughs> Anyways, the Wabak is very polite. Thanks, Bix, profusely. And it's apparently a known thing that Wabaks are extremely polite. Um, so they start taking off, like, down the beach. The rain is pouring down on them. They're just, like wet and gross and Bix just feels heavy with the adrenaline of that stunt that they just pulled and the Wabix like we like let's just keep moving like we don't want to get caught here and Bix was like as much as I hate to admit it they're right and uh Bix suggests that they walk through the surf to help cover their tracks as they head down the beach and like this is like the Wabix starts going do you have a plan like what's going on and Bix gets like really pissed at this point like what the fuck my plan is to not get killed like what the fuck bro (laughs) um but the Wabix then has the wherewithal to look ashamed and introduces themselves as Tobble and um this is I I think this is the part where they have the excellent pirate conversation which I did not write down but it was like one of my favorite fucking conversations. Like, the, yeah, <laughs> Bix was like, "Yeah, Bix is like, how did you how did you end up in a robot?" And Tobble's like, "Oh, I I was taken prisoner. I'm on a pirate ship." And she's like, "What the fuck?" And he's like, "Yeah, I know, right?" That's my favorite part, though, is Tobble's first response to how did you end up in a boat? Tobble goes, "Oh, you know the usual way." <laughs> or like, "How did you get taken by pirates?" The usual way. <laughs> and Bix is like, "What the fuck is the usual way?" <laughs> oh, no. So yeah, this before B plot to the story, Tobble was taken prisoner by pirates. <laughs> I kind of wonder if he's lying about that, but I also don't know. I, it, it never, no, because, because Bix would know if he was lying about it. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I forgot. About he must have been, he must have been taken by pirates. <laughs> I was like, in my head, I'm like, Tobble wouldn't fucking lie to us. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, we'd know if Tobble was lying to us. Never mind. <laughs> I think I was reading some other, like, middle grade story where there, there was a character who was lying about about pirates because he was like a compulsive liar so that's i think that's where it came from that yeah that is where it came from uh, yeah okay never mind Tobble is good and truthful and we love him 
Yes, Tobel is perfect. And just because it's, I'm not going to be able to describe this right later. Tobel is a third of the size of Bix, a small furry creature with gigantic ears and this cute little fox nose and three tails. And I would die for Tobel. Oh my God. He's got a big belly. He's got a big belly that he keeps a belt around. Tobel is Tobel's- the best he is the best oh my god the name tobble also the best oh i just i want to draw i want to draw tobble and bix please draw tobble and bix i want to draw fan art <laughs> i too want like i just want to draw tobble like as soon as i was like reading it seeing the picture on the book i was like i i want to draw tobble so honestly do you know what this whole book was reminding me of no. The fucking, like, animal thing that we did for Matson's class in college. The fantasy creatures? Yeah, where we took different aspects yeah. of fantasy creatures and we made our own fantasy creatures. Yes. <laughs> like, I just got vibes of that this whole time. Like, when, when um, Bix was talking about, like, they used to make nests and trees and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and like, these are all my cool, like, you know, my wings and shit. And I was just like, oh, this reminds me of Matson's class. <laughs> It, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I love them so much. <laughs> I just love them so much. Oh, God. And this is, okay. And this is where Tobble is like, um, like looking at Bix and being like, what the fuck are you? Like, you, you stand up upright, but you kind of look like a dog, and your fur is golden, and you are female, and you have a pouch, and hands with thumbs, mm-hmm. and, and she's like, thanks for, thanks for stating the obvious. And this is the first time that we find out that Bix is female. <laughs> like, it yeah. is not mentioned before this. Mm-hmm. So, I, like, that was such a cool thing for me, like, to be halfway through reading part one, and you still don't know. Like... Not because it's, like, important or matters, but just because you're so much in, like, the first-person narrative mm-hmm. that it's, like... Yeah. It and there are no pronouns this used, could be. like, throughout. Mm-hmm. So it's just, like, uh, we don't know. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. It was it was just very cool. I really loved the way that that was written. Strong female characters. But we didn't know it was a female till just now. Do-do-do-do-do-do. This is our new theme song. I wonder if there's going to be any, like, conversation about, like, female versus male, like, Darren's and shit like that. Yeah, because even when it was mentioned here, it was like a throwaway line. Like, right. it doesn't seem to matter. Mm-hmm. Which is badass. Yeah. Because, like, Ugh. you know, sometimes they talk about, like, sexual dimorphism in species and, mm-hmm. you know, it just makes me wonder if that's going to be, like, a thing that's brought up or not. I I don't yeah. imagine so. Like, just, I don't imagine so with the Darns, yeah. but maybe, like, it comes up with the people. I think based on what we know so far and what, like, the little bit of information we've given, I don't think that's going to be a thing. But I don't, I don't think it's going to be a plot of the book other than maybe like a weird like I'm assuming that at some point like, or I'm guessing I'm not assuming I'm guessing at some point they come into contact with people and it seems like the people in this book are in some sort of like medieval sort of era. They're yeah. like knights on horses yeah. and stuff. So bows and arrows and swords and all that. 
Right. So I'm guessing maybe there's going to be some sort of like princess character and that might be something, but like that would, sure. that's the only scenario I can imagine it coming up. Yeah. I don't know. Um, okay. Yes. Yeah, so back to, um, Tobble questioning Bix and being <laughs> hey. like, what the fuck are you? Hey, Alex. Hey. Tobble, baby. Tobble, baby. Tobble, baby. Tobble, no. tobble baby. Tobble, baby. Tobble, baby. <laughs> Get in there! Sorry. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Anyways. um... (laughs) God damn it. What the fuck are you? Yes. And Tobble says, uh, Darren's don't exist anymore. They are gone. And Bix was like mustering up all of her pride. Like, how dare you? We clearly still exist. That is what I am. Um, and then Tobble weirdly asks to touch her fur. Like, not weirdly. He says it very... Like, he asks permission, and, and she says yes. So then he's like, well, you do have very soft fur. Maybe you are this thing. Um, and then, like, Tobble's like, I just don't understand. You have to be extinct. And Bix is like, I will fucking eat you, though. <laughs> taking this shit like i don't blame her like if i was like you know one of the last of my species and someone's like oh i thought you were fucking dead i'd I'd take offense to that too yeah and especially when you're like no i like have a family i am here you can see i'm standing right here and they're like i still think you're extinct though (laughs) (laughs) it's great well okay not as absurd as this Literally a creature that is known to hunt and eat Wobbix. Tobble is like, you can't eat me. You just saved my life. And they have a full argument about the merit of you can't eat me. You saved my life. That ends because Bix was like, also, you taste like shit. You taste vaguely (laughs) of turtle. And Tobble's like, what the fuck? Why would you say that? (laughs) Oh. Oh, my God. But this amazing conversation is interrupted by a sudden sound, and they both freeze. And they're trying to sense as best as they can, but they can't smell or hear anything because of the rain masking it. Except Tobble focuses in with his giant satellite dish ears that I love so much. And he rotated them around until he located the sound, and he said, the humans are waiting for us. He looks like a little fennec fox. Does and I love him so much. I love his ears. Oh. I love his ears so much. Oh. <laughs> okay. So, next part. Bix gestures for Tobble to get low, which is entirely unnecessary low, because Tobble is a third of her low, size. Get low, get low. <laughs> this is turning into a different kind of podcast for you right now. <laughs> This is a middle school dance that we have been invited to, courtesy of Casey. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Wow, okay. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. Serious business. So, uh... They creep up to the edge of the trees with slow, graceful movements that were so deliberate that they wouldn't be detected by anybody. 
that was looking not hard at them. And they kind of creep up to the edge and part these branches super slowly. And in front of them, Bix sees a human leaning against a tree. And even from where she was in relation to this human, which was pretty far, she could tell that he was anxious and angry. And then from deeper in the woods, they hear a voice yell out, asking if he saw anything. And the human replies, no, and then called him master. So we already know there's a weird fucking relationship between the two of them going on. Gross. And um, this guy followed it up with, you know, it probably drowned in the ocean. And then they see the other men appear out of the woods. There's this short, stout guy and this tall, lanky guy. And they recognize one of them as the leader of the hunters that had attacked Bix on the top of the cliff. And the men began discussing what it was. Like, was that a dog or a wolf? And the boy is like, it could glide and it had a pouch, dude. It was probably a dern. And the men are like, oh, mystical dern, mystical fantasy creature. And they're like, well, we should catch it anyways, because if it's a dern, we can totally sell it for a fuck ton of money. Capitalism. It will... Yeah, they're literally like the, the pelt will keep us in food for half a year at least. Mm-hmm. And the boy starts going, what, don't you want to capture it alive, though? It's going to be worth so much more alive. And it's basically like these guys are like the Urukai hunters. Like, yeah. no, it's <laughs> less trouble when dead. <laughs> like creepy fucking dudes. <laughs> um, Bring them to me yeah, alive like... and unspoiled. <laughs> it's not worth the trouble to take them alive. <laughs> it's back on Which the is... menu, boys. <laughs> The roots grow deep. <laughs> Sorry. The trees are strong, my lord. Anyways. <laughs> um, so the the lead hunter leaned into this boy now and said, if you ever yell, don't kill it in the middle of a hunt again, I will flay you alive. And the boy did not argue. But in that moment, he did turn as if catching a scent and then look directly to where Bix was hiding. <gasps> And the men grew excited. They're like, oh, the boy's on a trail. And this is, I think what they imply here is that this boy has mythical hunting abilities. <laughs> like, he's the Merlin of the group, yeah, I guess. Yeah, he got, like, Darendar. He got Darendar. <laughs> <laughs> that felt super weird to say in my mouth. Darendar. It just bounced. It bounced real weird on, on my upper palate. Oh, no. Creative cloud update. Anyways, um, so the guys get like really excited and they're like, "Where? Where is it? Where do we go?" Just, and the boy's like, <laughs> "It's all Lord of the Rings. It's all Lord of the Rings. It is." Oh my god! Maybe Catherine had like the two towers on when she was writing this, and she's like, "Yeah, okay." Oh my god! And then she had to edit out the line when when Bix and Tobble were on the trail when they're like, "The closer we are to danger, the further we are from harm." Oh, uh huh. I love it. <laughs> so, anyways, the boys like go north. I'll meet you at the horses. The men take off, and the boy kind of trailed behind. But before he went completely out of view, he turned back to Bix, and she could swear that he smiled. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. He's gotcha. He's gotcha. Gotcha, boo. <laughs> Here's where shit gets fucking dark. Oh my god. I can't. I can't. I refuse. Well, you can't. We agreed to do the podcast. You have to do it. But it didn't want to. It's but sad. 
but you did want to. You, <laughs> we put it on the calendar. We agreed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. There's a there's some lighthearted moments yeah. before it gets real bad. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, as soon as they were out of immediate danger, Vix's stomach begins to whine and Tobble is like, what is that? And they have a conversation about being hungry and how Darren's stomachs whine and Tobble's like, that's buck wild. <laughs> um, and then Vix is like, oh, okay, let's change the subject. So she tells Tobble, I'm pretty sure that that poacher saw us. And Tobble's like, well, if he saw us, why didn't he come after us? And they don't know, so they're like, all right, whatever, we're probably fine. So then Bix turns back to double back to go to the den where they were staying, but, like, takes the long, circuitous route because, like, she's super concerned that these poachers are following them somehow because this kid, like, had a lock on them. And then Tobble's like, all right, like, let's get to back to your family. And Bix is like, well, no, you're not coming all the way back with me. And Tobble's like, yes, I am. And Bix is like, literally, we eat you. Like, you will be eaten. What don't you understand about this? We've had conversations about this. And there's this moment where Tobble's just like, I have to come back with you. It's the Wobbit code. And we find out that in Wobbit code, if you if someone saves your life, you have to save theirs thrice. And they're like, why thrice? And he's like, because we have three tails. And Bix is like, what fucking sense does that make? And Tobble is like, I don't make the rules. I follow the rules. Aww. It was adorable. I love this so much. Okay, but what if, God forbid, somebody like cut off one or more of your tails? What What's the, uh, what's the code then? Like, say you lost a tail. Do you only have to save somebody twice? Or is, I d- or is I this don't, like... I don't know enough about Wobbit culture to answer these difficult Ugh. questions. <laughs> I know as much as you do. Just throwing that one out in the universe. Contemplate your lives. I mean, I feel like because it's like Wobbit folklore, you would still have to save their life thrice because most yeah. Wobbit have three tails. Sure. Maybe you could argue your way out of it, though, since you only have two tails. That's true. Hmm. And also, it still rhymes. If you only have two, you could say, I save your life twice. And it still works. If you have one, that doesn't rhyme. So I don't think that would work. <laughs> <laughs> These are the arbitrary rules that we've come up with just now. I love it. Um, then Tobble does the most adorable thing ever and basically starts saying, like, don't worry, I can hold my own against your entire family. And Bix is like, no, you can't. And he's basically like, you don't want to see me when I'm angry. I <laughs> like, fucking love him. I love Tobble so much. He's so small, oh. but he's like, yeah, I'll kick all your asses. Yes. Oh. And then even better, after Tobble's like, I'll kick all your asses, I'll take everybody on. Bix is like, you're going to slow me down. And Tobble's like, no problem, I'll ride you. And Bix is like, excuse me, what? And he's like, he just hops up on her back and is like, forward. And Bix is like, what the fuck, bro? I love their dynamics so much. Me too. It's so good. Oh my God. The indignancy. Yeah. And like, especially because Bix is like, 
not this creature, but it's very clear that like the Darns are supposed to be like regal, beautiful, aloof creatures. Uh-huh. And Tobble's like, <laughs> I'm riding you into battle, bitch. <laughs> oh my god, she's Legolas, he's Gimli. <laughs> yes! That is I was just thinking that. That is exactly their dynamic. Like it will get to the point where Tobble will be like, You're gonna have to toss me. <laughs> but don't tell the elf. <laughs> Shall I describe it to you? Or would you like me to find you a box? <laughs> they're gonna be drinking against each other and like <laughs> bix is gonna be like i feel a tingle in my fingers and tobble's gonna be like i told you Al's gonna hold their liquor <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> still only counts as one <laughs> he's got my axe embedded in his nervous system <laughs> <laughs> um, we are so Lord of the Rings today. I don't know what's happening. I feel like this book is doing it to us. Yeah. Like, I did. I wasn't reading it as Lord of the Rings, but like now that we're into uh-huh. it, I'm seeing a lot of influence. Sure. <laughs> Gondor Industries. It could just be the setting, maybe like with the knights and everything. That's that's the round table. We dance where we're able. Okay. Okay. All right. So, um, this is, so at this point, Tobble is riding Bix and Bix is running and like Bix tries to like argue with him a little bit. Like, don't, you can't head back with me, but like then realizes it's pointless and is also distracted because all of a sudden there's like this gut feeling where she's going like, oh God, something's wrong. And so she's like freezing and like looking around her and then decides like, okay, just keep going. Um, she and Tobble are chit-chatting and like they're planning out the route to throw off the hunters and circling back along and like Tobble is just like totally chit-chatting but my favorite fucking thing that happens is they're like showing each other what they can do and like Bix is bragging about her opposable thumbs and Tobble's like yeah but can you do this and he twists his ears around like a cyclone <laughs> and Bix goes what purpose does that serve and he assures her not at all <laughs> I love them I love it so much oh my god oh my god <laughs> So Bix is like, okay, like that's all great and all, but now now she's getting slightly worried about how much trouble she's going to be in and like is really getting these gut feelings saying something's not right. And she even asked Tobble, like, do you hear anything? And he goes, no, no, it's fine. And the feeling will not go away. So she says, hang on and begins to sprint. So Bix took off running, telling Tobble, keep a sharp, sharp lookout. And he says, of course I will. And so Bix starts running towards home, not heeding any of like the signposts or the warnings, just blindly going back as fast as she can. And all of her instincts are like screaming, driving her along. And she's waiting to like run across the scent of the poachers or like hear the horses, but there's nothing. There's silence. So she's like panicking more and more the closer she gets. And finally, like it kind of swells so much that she stands up on her haunches Tobble slides off and she just says, I have to go before darting off again, leaving Tobble behind. She's running towards that familiar hill where she lives and then she hits the summit of it and there was no longer silence. Below her, there was screaming and agony and terror and despair and Bix takes off running again. She careens down through the trees 
And then she sees them. There's these soldiers in red and silver with the conical helmets to protect them. They weren't that ragtag poaching bunch from earlier. This was Murdano's army, which is murder's army, right? (laughs) Murdano's. Yeah. 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 I read that. I was like, murder! Murder! So this was the one that she'd been warned about since she was little. And she sees in front of her the bear hive was on fire and smoke is billowing out of it. And then she sees the elder, Dalantor, dead. And that's the one who told her all the stories of Murdano's army and kept them safe for so long. And then she sees it, her entire family. Her siblings are all dead in a pile with their milky white blood pouring out of them, the parents on top of them protecting their children to the very end. And she watches as a soldier pokes a spear into one of them. And then she saw only blind rage. She starts charging them down, ready to fight them all to the death when something slams into her side. She was shocked to find an arrow poking out of her. And it wasn't a killing arrow. It was one that was used to capture prey and drag them. And a thin filament was attached to it. And even though this filament was thin, it was enough to bring down a stag. And it dragged her back. She tore at it with her teeth and tried to get free. And a voice called, Be still, you fool. But she would not listen. She needed to avenge her family. She was dragged into the underbrush and then something swiftly slammed into the back of her head and everything went dark. And that's the end of part one. Genocide for kids! Genocide! For kids! (laughs) For kids! Oh my god! So amazing, right? So intense! So intense. And like... Uh, this was one of the parts that, like, I absolutely can feel Michael's influence in there. And <laughs> I, I I, will tell you how I know. It's not just because it's, like, violent or murder or dark or anything like that. But every single time that I read something that Michael wrote that I know he wrote, at some point I get this profound feeling of a shock, like, just running through my entire body from some horror that happens. And it happened in that scene when I was reading it. And I was like, that is Michael's hallmark in writing to me. It was so brutal. And like the way that it built over four chapters of just like a gut feeling, a gut feeling, a gut feeling. And then her whole family is dead. Yep. And I, I was getting kind of an inkling when in the first chapter she was like, I did not want to be the last to live. Because, mm-hmm. like, you have to live with knowing that you are the last and that you fucking watched your entire family die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then that's exactly what happens. <laughs> In part one. Oh my God. Fucking 20 more of these parts to go. Shit. God damn. Not that many, but Shit. still. God yeah. damn. They were so brutal. Like the second before she was just hanging out with Tobble and he was talking about how he lived in some kind of underground tunnels in a room by himself, except for his like 10 brothers (laughs) with ridiculous (laughs) names. And then the next scene, there's my, there's my family, their corpses in a pile. Yeah. And what I think probably one of my favorite moments of this in a really dark way was that she saw Dalinor first like the elder of the group and so you're thinking like oh no that's brutal 
But then she saw her entire family murdered. And, like, I feel like if you saw just him, it would have been underwhelming. If you saw just her family, it would have been, like, tropey. But, like, the lead into it was just, it hit this beautiful middle ground. Oh, my God. This is the scene where it's, like, I don't know how they're going to do that in, like, a kid's movie. That's going to be rough. It's going to be like, it's going to be like, you don't see it. You just, they stumble upon like the non-bloody corpse. Although they made the blood milky and white. So maybe it'll pass whatever screen guide they have for blood. Oh, yeah. Maybe that was, they're like, this one's going to get a movie for show. Let's make that blood white. Yeah. Maybe. Let's make them bleed milk. Mm, milk blood. Milk blood. <laughs> or maybe it'll be like like they just finished loading them on wagons and they're covering the wagons with a tarp and you just see like a paw hanging oh, out or some shit. The black beauty method. Yes! Exactly! Oh, ginger. Oh! Exactly. Oh, that's brutal. Uh, Welp. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, like we were all having a good time, and then <laughs> I was having such a good time with Tobble spinning his ears around like Buck Wild. I was, I was laughing. I was having so much fun, and then it <laughs> just went so far south so fast. It's such whiplash, which I feel like Michael and Catherine are also known for. Yes, absolutely they are. And that's like, that's why I was kind of so stunned that it was so suspenseful because they have been building that gut feel suspense since chapter one. And I feel like that's a new trick for them. Totally. Sure. Man. My God. Yeah. I'm so excited. I like, Jesus Christ. It's so brutal. What a note to end on. I know. I wonder who yelled, be still, you fool. I wonder if that was the boy. It's the boy. It's gotta be the Merlin boy, right? I just feel like anyone who says, you fool, is an old wizard man named Gandalf. Okay, maybe that's why I'm getting Merlin vibes from him. Because maybe he is an old wizard pretending to be a boy. Oh my god, maybe. Or maybe, like, because wizards live, like, forever. Maybe he's, like, 200, but he looks like a boy because he's a wizard. Or maybe he has the power to teleport through time and space, and he went to the future and became an old man and then came back to the present day, like... <laughs> maybe he's the doctor and he regenerated into a boy. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, there's... Ah, and there's so much speculation. Uh, I... I I don't know what to do. Oh my god. Okay, okay. So we know that Michael and Catherine like to explore like themes of trauma in Animorphs at least. Uh-huh. I wonder how they're going to do it for Endling. Like that's really what I'm kind of I, I mean excited for. I don't know if excited is the mm-hmm. right word, but I'm like looking forward to see how Bix is like grief manifests because yeah i think it would be so easy for like an adventure story like this to just kind of like be like oh she was sad and then she was fine and then occasionally she was sad but then she was mostly fine but like i feel like Catherine michael could be like 
no, we already know how, how grief manifests and, like, we're not gonna shy away from, like, how fucking horrible it can be, so. No, I fully expect that the whole time Bix is gonna be, like, really, like, suffering from this and making decisions that, like, she wouldn't have made before uh-huh. because of, like, how the trauma manifests in things. Yeah. And, like, I, I fully expect that to affect her character for the entire rest of the series. Yeah. I don't know how Tobble fits into this, though. Like, he's just such a not... He's like the comic relief so far. He is, but, like, not in a Marco way at all. He kind of reminds me of Axe a little bit. I don't know if it's just his, like, like demeanor. Like, he's like, oh, I'm very polite, and I think I know everything. (laughs) 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 Axe is not polite at times, though. Axe is just such a rude boy. so rude! (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i don't know i don't know know how tobble fits into this but i'm looking forward to finding out me too and i almost wonder if tobble's gonna end up being like more mature and wise but like puts on the jester facade Mm -hmm. i'm very excited i'm just i tobble is one of my most immediate favorite characters in a while yeah like, from the moment Tobble was on screen, I was like, I'm in love with you. Oh, I want a Tobble plush. <gasps> if they make the movie, they're totally going to make those, right? Fuck yeah. They have to. Oh, my God. They have to. Oh, my God. A Tobble plush. Tobble, baby. Oh, my God. Tobble, baby. Tobble, baby. Tobble, baby. <laughs> Get in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, I no. do like how the um, the bad guy's name is Mordano. <laughs> yeah, Mordano. The Mordano's <laughs> army or whatever There's so many, like, villains that are named, like, like, I don't know. Like, some some part of their name is rooted in, like, the name that means evil. Like, like Mal. Yeah. Or Mord, which are both like Latin and nature. Shredder. Shredder. <laughs> evil. Doctor yeah. Evil. Well, I mean, the, the easiest one is Sinister from X Men. His name is fucking Sinister. Yeah, he's the bad guy. <laughs> His name is Sinister. Meg. You could pick any name to hide your fucking identity. You pick Sinister. <laughs> I don't, like, Magneto's not an inherently bad name, though. No. Like, unless I guess you're against science and magnets. <laughs> Fucking magnets. How do they work? Who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I'm, like, not super a fan of when the villain is very obviously a villain because they're named, like, the Darkling or whatever. But, I mean, this is a book for kids, so I can understand that. And I feel like Murdano is subtle enough that if you were a kid reading it, I don't think you would immediately be like, oh, of course, it's murder. <laughs> murder. Tudis. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. Sorry, the vine is playing in my head now. <laughs> and I brought you mer, 
Murder. Judas. No. <laughs> oh, woof. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. I want to Anyways. I do, too. I'm very excited for part two. Do we want to make predictions? I don't know. I feel like we kind of did in a way. Yeah. Hmm. I don't. I, I have no idea where this is going. I don't know why I said that because I have no <laughs> idea. I have no predictions at all. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. I am just so excited. I wonder if they're gonna go to find the last of the Dairns or try to avenge Bix's family. Who is this mystery man that captured Bix? <laughs> what happened to Tobble? Where is Tobble? I have so many questions. <laughs> yep. And, like, all of this, by the way, was 46 pages. Yeah. All of this was jam-packed into 46 pages. That's insane. That's fucking nuts. How are they this good at writing? I don't know. What evil sorcerer did they sell their souls (laughs) to to be this good at writing? Witchcraft. Witchcraft. Yeah, I was kind of worried about this book being like too fast to read or like it was going to go by too fast and and i wouldn't be able to make sense of it or i feel like the pacing would have been weird but i thought it was like perfect yeah i totally agree yeah it did i was worried about um that it was going to be really dense and that like we would have troubles like doing this in the parts that they were Mm -hmm. and like we just, we need to put all of our trust in Catherine and Michael because <laughs> they do it perfectly. They do. That's my next interview question for them if I ever get stalked to them again. Like, how do you guys write so perfectly? <laughs> Why are you guys so good at thing? Why are you guys so good? <laughs> I I fully blame you for my complete acceptance of mass murders is just a part of character oh no (laughs) (laughs) oh no oh shit oh man (sighs) yeah well Mardano's army I wonder what the why the boy wants to save and the I think he's a wizard and I think that's why because he has respect for the magical creature okay so part of the book that we didn't super get into in the summaries was that we do get a little bit of insight into like there are six dominant races oh yeah that's right I'm trying yeah to what, so there's what page oh here we go I, I just opened to it super early so felivets which are giant cats um, bu- 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 bum. humans, Darren's Felivets, Natites, Terramants, and Raptodons. And the Raptodons are the giant bird raptors. Oh, cool. Yeah. That was the one I retained, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, like, there's six. So, like, I have to imagine, even though they haven't talked about this yet, there's some kind of, like, lore about, like, living with these six... I heard you gasp. Oh, I just, I saw the, the cover for the next Endling book and they're riding a big panther. So that must be a fellow vet. <laughs> anyway. It must be a fellow vet. Yes. 
a few of it. Who you can't hear until they've destroyed you. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I, I there's got to be some sort of like deep lore mm-hmm. about like all of, or at least like the Darrens, because it seems like we're setting up the Darrens to be like the elves, right? Right. <laughs> Just to make this a Lord of the Rings metaphor. <laughs> Yes, the Darrens are like the elves, the mystical creatures that are hard to see that people are starting to believe don't exist because they're so rare because they go to the Grey Havens. (laughs) And like, there's got to be like people that are like wizards that think that they must maintain their presence. Otherwise, all the magic will leave Middle Earth. I don't know. That's why they needed the elves, right? Because the elves are going to take the magic out of Middle Earth with them. <laughs> I've got the magic. I'm just making this a Lord of the Rings book. <laughs> Lord of the Rings for kids. And they're all animals. <laughs> except for the humans. This is... <laughs> yeah, except the humans. The humans aren't animals, but the animals are also not animals. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes. So anyways, I that's I think that's why I'm thinking that guy's a wizard and that's going to be I don't know why. I don't know why that's why I think that. He's a little wizard boy. Oh. He little wizard boy. Schmendrick. All right. Well, should we wrap it up? I guess so. I don't have any other thoughts except I loved it and I'm very excited to read more so excited to read more i cannot wait this this is such a delight like it was just such a delight to read it like it was the things that i love about their writing just all right there like a cozy blanket i could just wrap myself in and enjoy this brand new story that i know nothing about just so excited about it Well, I guess I'll tell people where to email us. It seems slightly inappropriate now, but our email address is anonymousanimorphs at (laughs) gmail.com. This is weird branding because, like, we're still Animorphs Anonymous, but some ATTN, the Apple Grant Book Club, or whatever we're calling this thing. Yeah, we'll we'll figure out a way to explain this somehow. Yeah. We'll split it out somehow. We'll organize this better somehow. It's like Anyways. it's like we're a master company, Animorphs Anonymous Incorporated, and we own like smaller businesses <laughs> under different umbrella names now. We are Lynn Manuel Miranda that owns Broadway Five Thousand, but <laughs> Hamilton is our thing now. Yeah course Perfect. okay sorry i interrupted you no it was it was beautiful <laughs> it's weird and like if you want to find us on facebook we'll probably set up something else soon but for now just go to the animorphs anonymous page or check out our super secret super awesome subgroup the andalite bandalites um or check us out on twitter at animorphs anon or on instagram at animorphs anonymous so many animorphs things uh, we are also on YouTube, the video site where videos play. The video site. Um, and that is at Strong Shape International because we share a channel with our buddies over at Cadmus Two Crises. 
and mm-hmm. you can find our podcast on any of your podcatchers. Travis used that that term recently, and I thought that was catchy. <laughs> um, any of the podcast hosting sites ever. And we also have a Discord server, which is a really fun place <gasps> where we hang out with a bunch of other Animorphs fans, and they're all really great people. And we talk about Animorphs, and we also share pictures and art and memes and jokes and laughs and cries and uh and recipes and what recipes and recipes occasionally occasionally and pictures of our pets and our faces and our cars and our <laughs> lives and children everything yes. everything we own we just keep taking pictures of things we own and sending them like is this anything <laughs> Yes. Um, if you want to come join us in our our beautiful land of friends, um, you can hit us up on any of our socials and we'll get you the link to that. Straight up. Yes. We'll do it. What if I love books so much, which I do, obviously, this is a podcast about books, but what if I want to read a webcomic book? A webcomic book? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you could come read mine that I make and draw. <gasps> it's a... Uh, a really cute romance webcomic called Beside You. You can go read it for free at bsideyoucomic.com. It is also on Tapas and Webtoons for free. Um, and if you want to go to my Patreon and... I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to go to my Patreon, I am posting early pages at the $5 tier and work in progress pages at the $1 tier. If you want to help support the comic, you can go there at patreon.com slash kcdstudios. Yes. And I, of course, highly suggest that you do go there and support Casey so that you can know the next time Slater is coming up, which at any minute now, <laughs> any minute now, he's going to be there. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm ready for it. I mean, currently, we just got to see Alden's apartment, which was legit as fuck. <laughs> and now he's like playing CDs. But Slater, any minute now. <laughs> this is slater watch 2021 dan and i are heading up the movement we have our own podcast about it called slater watch 2021 where dan and i talk about slater and when he's coming back (laughs) i I can't wait for dan to listen to this and be like i agreed to none of this I did not say I would do a podcast with you. What the fuck? (laughs) He was going to crash his bike again and be like, I agree to nothing. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, there are tears on my head. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Oh, man, this is such a great podcast. I want to listen to another great podcast that Alex is also in. Please tell me where I can find that. Boy, well. Are you are you lucky today? Because today and today only, I'm on a bunch of episodes from Cadmus <laughs> to Crisis, a Superboy podcast that I drew. I do with I drew. I drew with, I drew with David and Do. <laughs> <laughs> I do it with David and Drew from our Alternomorphs episode and Drew from our Megamorphs Two in the Time of the Dinosaurs episode. And so you can tell, obviously, they're hilarious and fun and amazing and. We talk about Superboy, and even if you don't know anything about Superboy, we've been doing a bunch of comics recently that are just like one-offs, like we just did Spider-Boy, where I told you guys this, 
we did Spider Boy. He's half Spider Man, half Superboy. They did what? like DC did these mashups, oh like and Marvel. They did like a crossover series, and so we got Spider Boy. And then like they have they have like a Justice League Avengers style league, blah blah blah. And th- so they mix up like Shadow Cat and like Colossus and like a bunch of other characters that we know and love. But my favorite one was like Paste Eater Boy. What? I don't know. David told me on pod what he was a mashup of, but in my head, all I took away from it was Paste Eater Boy. What? It's insanity. Insanity. Okay. And then, like, he teams up with, like, a Captain America boy of some sort. It's very weird. I thought they were just, like, like younger versions of, of superheroes a la, like, Muppet Babies style. No, no, they're, they're, like, literally Marvel and DC were like, we have to combine to do something. And so they just made these mashups. Okay. It, it's insanity. Okay. It's insanity. Psylocke is in there a ton, too. Ooh. That's pretty legit. I mean, you can obviously tell where my yeah. interests yeah. lie. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was really funny. And uh, then there's, like, the Wasp Queen and stuff, which is, like, MJ and I, David will tell you all about it. I just got excited about Pace Eater Boy. <laughs> and the fact that I recognize some of the heroes for once. Because, like, I I know now who, like, you know, Double X is and, like, Rex Leach and that kind of stuff. But, like, which are not necessarily heroes. But whatever. I, I like, recognize them now. But, like, I finally got some heroes that I was, like, I truly know who these people are. <laughs> I know they're deep inside their souls. Yeah, like, I am finally familiar with some people on this podcast. Right. Anyways, yes, Chemistry Crisis. That's my pitch, I guess. It's a, just a long rant <laughs> about things I know. Well, <sighs> uh, thank you for joining us on this new adventure that we're doing into the Endlingverse. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll do part, part two next time. And we're going back to bi-monthly updates because we're both very busy. And um, and also because reading is hard and it takes me a long time to sound out all the words. Oh, no. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, no. Why, why would we do a book podcast if I had to sound out every single one of the words? I, it would be like... That would be... This would be a lot. <laughs> It would be so much. (laughs) Bix and Tobble doing stuff together. Charms forever. Last of their kind. Remix. Tobble. Hey, Andalite Bandalites, it's Alex just popping in here at the end to say if you liked our new intro with new, amazing, spiffy, wonderful new music that's extremely catchy and amazing and we love it, uh, please go ahead and follow It's Rees at I-T-S-R-E-I-S-E on like everything and uh, tell her how much you loved her music. So we're re- we want to say thank you. Thank you so much. We love the intro music. Thank you. All the rest of you, please go follow her at It's Rees.